Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin County Medical Center, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin County Medical Center, with more Healthy Matters. And good morning. Welcome to this edition of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. This is an open line show today, meaning you can ask your general health questions of Dr. David Hilden, who has returned. Good morning. Good morning, Danny. Nice to see you again. Thank you. It's good to be here. I've got my coffee. Julie handed me a coffee on the way out the door. That's a nice thing. I guess that You're walking out the door and your wife hands you, or your husband or your anybody hands you a nice cappuccino. Thanks, Joel. I guess. (laughs) So I've got a nice coffee here. I'm ready to go. I've been in Texas. Last weekend, and so and what I wanted, brought you there. Well, I was I was there for um, you know how doctors have to go to medical conferences and sure. learn and get smart. Well, I wasn't learning or getting smart about medicine at all, but I was at a writers' conference at the University of North Texas in scenic Grapevine, Texas. Did you know there's a town no. called Grapevine? It's no. it's about it's a stone's throw from the north end of the runway at Dallas Fort Worth Airport, hmm. and and we uh, it was a writers conference because as many listeners know, I do writing, I do a blog. If you don't follow the blog, you maybe want to do that. It's at myhealthymatters.org. and and I I intend to do a bit more writing. I've okay. done, I've done some essays on some online um, journals and. As some listeners know, I'm partially through writing a book, and it's mostly going to be a series of essays about things I've learned on this show. So maybe if you're listening someday, maybe there'll be a book that I've written. And But anyway, I went to this Mayborn Writers Conference to hear from writers and journalists and authors and just to be inspired about writing. It was absolutely mm. fabulous. Oh, that's great. It was really fun. It was hot. 100 degrees. And I'm not even kidding. It was 100 A little deg- sticky, too. I oh, imagine. good grief. I brought my running clothes. That no, wasn't you happening. Do that. I'm telling you right now, that was not happening. So I stayed in the air-conditioned hotel the whole time. So do they still say, write what you know? Uh, they do say that. Okay. They, they do. And you know who else? Was? And there's a lot of journalists and um, uh, for various things, the Dallas Morning News and other newspapers and the New Yorker and the Washington Post. And, and, and a lot of them said – one of the things that matters most when you're writing nonfiction, if you're a journalist, and they said, don't re- forget about anything else you hear in the world. It matters that you get it right, get your facts straight, double check it, triple check it, quadruple check it. I was amazed at how much they hammered home. You're nothing as a journalist if it's not accurate. And so um, I try to do that on the show a little bit. It's, yeah, um, and make sure that the things I say are accurate. It sounds so simple, but it's not always you know, in our public discourse nowadays, we sometimes forget that accuracy matters. And they just were committed. And so I had great respect for um, the journalists there. Oh, neat. I really did. I'm neat not saying experience. journalism isn't biased, but no. it is factually accurate, at least they strive to be okay. in what they do. So it was very interesting on that. The keynote speaker was a guy named Sebastian Younger. He wrote the movie, or he wrote the book, A Perfect Storm. Oh, sure. And he's written a more recent book that I do recommend to everybody. It's called Tribe. And that's his most recent book in the last year. And he was inspirational. I wish I could vote for him for some public office. He wrote a book about his his experience as a war correspondence and the cohesiveness that the soldiers had and how sometimes it's hard to come home and have a 
and feel like you're part of something. And so he talked about the loss of a sense of community in our world, that we're all so disconnected from each other. So this is a book about the need to belong to a community. It's a short book, 150 pages, short little teeny thing. It's called Tribe by Sebastian Junger. Mm-hmm. So I learned about that as well. It was a really a fascinating, a fascinating uh, week or day and a half in Dallas. And soon, someday, you'll be a published author. Yeah, and we'll that's, talk about that's it. the idea. Okay, we'll see. That's good. <laughs> we'll see about that. Uh, maybe if you come out to the State Fair shows, both Sundays of the State Fair, we'll be there. You can give me some book ideas if you come out. Well, let's invite our listeners to give you some uh, more material Absolutely. today, either by phone or by text. It's an open line show, as we said. If you have a uh, question for the doctor, six five one. Nine eight nine nine two two six. Keep in mind, when we do these open line shows, we tend to get really busy. So if don't wait to send your text or give us a call. Well, please do that right now. 651-989-9226 or send a text 81807. Line one is Bill. Go ahead, Bill. You're on with Dr. Hilden. Hi. Good morning, uh, Danny and Dr. Hilden. Um, I'm my return caller. I've called you quite a few times. Uh, um, I'm diabetic, and um, about six, maybe eight months ago, I started taking um, I started taking um, medication that causes my blood sugar to um, to actually get almost too low. My question is, is when my blood sugar gets down around 60 or maybe 70, I tend to be a lot crabbier crankier, uh, all of sorts. Is that normal? And um, I'll listen. Sure. Thanks, Bill. Um, hope you're doing well uh, in general. Yes, if you're diabetic and you get blood sugars that are too low, too low, that is can be a potentially dangerous situation, actually. Um, it's called hypoglycemia. Hypo meaning low, under or low, and glycemia, your sugar in your blood. And uh, and some people do have changes to their um, the way they're thinking when their blood sugars get low. Some people have no record recognition of it at all. So it varies. But yes, it's possible that if your blood sugars get too low, 60 is on the edge of too low. It's pretty low. You might more than getting cranky, although you might more you'd get like dizziness or a headache. You might get a little confused. Um, if it gets down to 50 and 40 and 30, you're for sure would be confused. Your brain wouldn't be working properly and you can pass out and you can start acting very, very strangely when your blood sugars get too low. At, at, a, at a level of 60, you might be having some kind of thinking problems, which is making you irritable and ornery and the like. So it's important to, to check your blood sugars. All diabetics should be checking your blood sugars. Um, with a little finger stick machine and make sure that you're in the normal range. Some of the medications we give for diabetes do cause it to go too low. Some don't have that effect. The one that we use most often is called metformin, and that one doesn't really drop people's blood sugars too low usually. But some of the uh, of the medications we do, including insulin and including some of the older pills that we prescribe for diabetics, it can drop your blood sugars to dangerously low levels. So it's really important that you check those and follow up with your uh, doctor. 
Very good. Uh, 651-989-9226. That's the phone number. We're getting text messages uh, now uh, quite quickly. 81807. Yeah, you want to grab one? Yeah, this is one about the deer that someone saw. I think that oh, yes. was for the previous show. <laughs> it was, yes. I was about to answer that one. I said, <laughs> I don't know anything about that. All right, here's one called, or it says, I had a flu shot a month ago. My arm is still sore. Is that normal? No, um, that wouldn't be. Uh, that your arm is sore six months ago from a flu shot. I think it's something else. Unless you had a little local reaction at the site that just scarred over, didn't get better. Hmm. I've never heard of that. Um, I'd have that go checked out. I think it's probably something else. The flu shot can give you a little sore arm for a little while, a day or two, but usually not that long. So, no, it's not normal. Here's another one that says, please talk about plantar fasciitis. Cause, symptoms, treatments. That could hurt. Oh, have you ever had it, Denny? Yeah. Uh, no, my wife has. Yeah, uh, I know a lot of people have had plantar. So plantar is the sole of your foot. Fasciitis, fascia is connective tissue um, in your body. It's a ligamentous, fat, you know, um, connective tissue. So fasciitis is inflammation of the connective tissue on the sole of your foot. It usually presents as heel pain. So it's it's in the back of your heel, kind of where your Achilles tendon hits your heel, and then wrapping underneath your heel into the arch of your foot. And it's an overuse, repetitive use kind of thing, and it can hurt. It, it can hurt like a big dog. It, it's just people have trouble walking if you have plantar fasciitis that's that's more severe. It's hard to – got to be really honest. It's hard to treat. Uh, we tell people to do stretching. We tell people to uh, maybe take some ibuprofen. We say get inserts to your your shoes. The main thing is if it's really bad and you can't walk um, and it's more than just a mild nuisance, I would see a foot specialist, probably a podiatrist, and see if they can fit you with orthotics or something um, in your shoes. The the only thing you can really do is cut back on your exercise. If you're a runner, for instance, don't run. And um, get really good shoes. Maybe um, if you're wearing high heels, there's nothing good for your feet about high heels women or men if you happen to be wearing high heels <laughs> like Denny Denny you're no, big high heels no no seriously there's and nothing run. there's and nothing run, good about <laughs> there's nothing healthy for your feet in high heels um other than you might look good and you feel good in them but they're bad for your feet so anyways good shoes are are uh um essential all right. Tell you what, should we? Uh, let's go to the phones. There's a six. There's a line open if you'd like to use that for your uh, question for Doctor Hilden. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Again, the text number is eight one eight zero seven. Lisa's calling from Ham Lake. Go ahead, Lisa. The doctor's listening. Hi. Good morning. I went to the doctor about ten days ago for some back pain, and they prescribed a Madral dose pack and a leave and icing. It's now been four days since I stopped the medral dose pack, and I've had no relief from the pain. Any suggestions? Yeah, Lisa, what's the pain like? Is it at the middle? Is it off to the sides? Where is it? It's off to the side. Both sides? Just my left side. Oh, and it's down low, or is it up higher? It's down low, basically right in the middle of the butt cheek. Yeah. So that you got what we often do for musculoskeletal. In other words, it's the muscles and the connective tissues. When you get a strain or a sprain, that's typically um, uh, what we give. And sometimes people get a bulging disc in the lower spine, which is pressing on a nerve. And that often, usually I'll say, 90% of the time gets better, but it can take a while. So what we often do is give anti-inflammatories. And you were given three anti-inflammatories, the least 
technologically advanced was the ice, but it's effective. Then you were given a leave, which is naproxen, which is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. And then you were given uh, um, a real steroid um, in, the, in the Medrol dose pack. That's a steroid. And that is an anti-inflammatory as well. The idea being whatever's in there, it's inflammatory. That's what ails you. We'll give you anti-inflammatory. So we gave you all three of those. Um, unfortunately, what we say it can do maybe isn't always fulfilled. Those are fairly um, ge- you know, general responses to a, a specific injury, and they often don't work. So what I would do, Lisa, is just give it time. And I know that sounds like a cop-out answer, but I would do stretching. I would do maybe physical therapy, maybe see a chiropractor, uh, uh, maybe acupuncture, maybe yoga, uh, walking, everything to stay active and stretching and, and, um, and give it a several weeks. We wouldn't do anything like images, such as an MRI, for at least a month because 90% of these get better on their own. Uh, you have um, one of the most common things that doctors see in the clinic, which is low back pain. Yours could be due to a nerve or it could be the muscles or the connective tissues, but they usually get better. So if you can hang in there, I would. It's okay to continue those things. They're probably not going to hurt. Um, there's relatively little downside to the anti-inflammatories you were given. But I would try all those non-pharmacologic treatments and just be really active over the next few weeks. If it does not get better in a few weeks then you should probably get an MRI. All right. Let's take a quick break, Dr. Hilden. We'll uh, be right back uh, with your text messages and your phone calls on this open line show, 651-989-9226. If you want to send a text, that's 81807. The McCarthy Auto World time is 746. The no-hail sale going on now at McCarthy Auto World. Save up to 20% off on select Buicks and GMCs. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of uh, Healthy Matters here on CCO, presented every Sunday by Hennepin County Medical Center. Uh, It's an open line show today. You're driving the show. Call us or text us, 651-989-9226, or send a text, and we'll get back to those in a moment. Uh, That number is 81807. In the meantime, Dr. Gary in Minneapolis has been waiting. Thank you, Gary. What is your question? My question, doctor, is unfortunately my wife got diagnosed with Hodgkin's uh, lymphoma this week, this past week. And, of course, the big week is coming up. And my question is, is that, and I've had it described, is that, you know, the stage, what stage she's in in the cancer is that they have to go in and take the bone marrow. And they say that's one of the most painful uh, situations that you can confront. I've had it described by certain people that uh, that they say it's worse than having six babies and it's the worst 30 seconds. Oh, they're exaggerating, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What, what my question is, how come you, today they don't put you right under when they take that? Yeah, those are really good questions. And I'm only, I'm not trying to, uh, I'm not kidding you. Um, it's a uh, uh, first of all, I'm sorry about your wife's diagnosis. You ought to know one thing about Hodgkin's lymphoma is that it's treatable, and your wife ought to know that. So just one little word of encouragement for you. It is a, it's a cancer of the lymph system. It's a hematologic cancer for those who might not be um, familiar with that. But Hodgkin's is a type of lymphoma um, that um, has good treatments. So I do want to encourage uh, you, Gary, and, and your wife, that, that, that um, it's, there's a lot of good stuff to be done for Hodgkin's disease. But you bring up a great question about the bone marrow. I, was, I had a patient in the hospital just this past week that we did a bone marrow on, and it does sound pretty bad. It sounds kind of bad. So what they do is they take a pretty good-sized needle, and they have you lie on your tummy 
face down, and it's the one of your pelvis in the back. So if you take your big pelvic bone in the back, you know, not your tailbone, but up higher where that ridge is, that big flat bone that makes your pelvis, and they they do they push in this this pretty good sized needle into that thing, and it doesn't hurt so bad at the skin. That's just a uh, like a bee sting or a, a needle stick like we do all the time. But it hurts a little bit when they push it through your bone because your bone's kind of, well, hard, and they have to push it through the lining of the bone. Once they're inside there, that doesn't hurt so bad. And then they um, – so there's the little bit of pain when they push the needle in. There's a little bit of pain, and what I've been told is the worst pain is when they draw out some of your marrow. It's a, a thing called aspiration. They're literally aspirating or drawing out some of the liquid part of your bone marrow. And people say that's uncomfortable. So those two moments of the, of the biopsy are not very comfortable. But, but most people who are doing this, when they're doing it well, they numb everything up. And, um, and so it's a little bit of discomfort, but it's not horrible pain like having babies or anything. Um, uh, or a kidney stone. A kidney stone's worse. And... Although I will never have the privilege, I, I think it's nowhere near like having a baby. And so it is just real quick, and it, they do numb it up. Why don't we knock people out? Well, we have knocked people out completely. When I say knock them out, general yes, yes. anesthesia puts you to sleep so you just don't know any of it. Well, the procedure just takes a couple of minutes, and anesthesia is not without its own risks. And if you were to completely be unconscious for it, that is um, – that is potentially riskier than than it ought to be for something that's just going to take a minute or two. And um, so you're right, a little uncomfortable. Hopefully they'll numb her up a great deal. But um, unless you really, truly need to be under an anesthesia, it isn't worth the risk um, to do it. So uh, rest assured, she's going to do great with it. Um, and a little bit of discomfort just for a short period of time. There's a text message. Came in a few it, minutes ago. Hi, my mom's been on gabapentin, 900 milligrams, three times a day, long-term for chronic pain. This will be discontinued due to ankle edema. Is it okay to abruptly uh, stop taking this, or is there a weaning process? If so, what's the recommendation? They're going to substitute Tylenol. Thanks. So gabapentin, if you're on a huge dose, you might want to wean it down by taking half a dose um, uh, for a day or two or three. But no, it's not one of the medications that it's real problematic to just stop. Um, uh, I've told people to just stop it. It's not like some of them that we do have people taper over days and days or even weeks. But in order to kind of, I think the Tylenol that 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 your mother is going to take instead of the gabapentin is going to be a poor substitute for her pain control. And so, what I worry about is her stopping a very large dose of gabapentin abruptly and then taking Tylenol. It's not dangerous for her, but she's going to have pretty bad pain when she stops it because she's on a big dose. This uh, texter said she's on 900 milligrams three times a day. And to go from that big dose to zero, she's going to have some pain problems. So I might taper it off over several days. Start taking half a dose for a few days and then go down to a smaller dose for a few days as you ramp up your Tylenol use because the pain control is going to be the issue. Um, for your mom. All right, let's go back to the phones. Nancy is uh, calling in uh, this morning. Nancy, you're on with the doctor. Hi, um, thanks for taking my call. I'm a four foot four little person, and I've been having issues with um, varicose veins, and I walk 10 to 15 miles a day for my job. And I went to the doctor, and I recently weighed like 220 pounds, and now I'm down to 160. 
like within a three-year period. And anyways, he had put me on horse chestnut pills to try to help me with my varicose veins. Is that like one of the better options or is there something different I can do to help that? So your name's Nancy, right? Correct. Yeah, Nancy, I have no idea. I have to be really honest. Um, I have never heard of that. Um, so a couple comments about your story. First of all, thanks for calling. Um, second of all, um, I'm impressed about your your walking, 10 to 15 miles a day for work. That is really good for you, and it was good. And you know, I, I love it that you're down to a, a, a smaller weight. That's great. But varicose veins, to my knowledge, aren't treated with pills at all. And so I just don't think that works at all. I've never heard of horse chestnut pills for that, but I would far prefer you get a sclerotherapy. There's laser therapy. It works really well. It's not painful like it was in the past. They'll take care of those once and for all. If you're up in the cities, come to that. Our vein clinic is great at this, at sclerotherapy for veins. I've never heard of horse chestnuts. I can't comment on that at all. I'm sorry. All right. Thank you, Nancy. Good luck. Uh, We have to take a break. We have another half hour of the show to go, so don't go away. 69 degrees in the Twin Cities, heading for 86. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And good morning. Welcome uh, back to more Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. This is an open line show today. That means uh, you are driving the show, your phone calls and text messages for Dr. David Hilden, your host, who's back today. Good morning again. Good morning, Denny. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Beautiful day. It's gorgeous here. It's gorgeous. I hope everybody's having a nice uh, Sunday morning, and thanks for being with us, uh, um, and thanks for your calls and your texts to the show. Do I have, can I get a little housekeeping Oh, let's business? do that. Sure. I want to tell people about a couple things. First of all, the blog, myhealthymatters.org. Um, check it out. Um, uh, what I w- am encouraging people to do is someone said, well, you haven't put a new post on in the last week or two. Well, that's okay. There's a, a dozens and dozens of posts from the past. Like, for instance, maybe you missed the one where I, w- I waded into the apple cider vinegar discussion. That's a big deal, apple cider vinegar. Go uh, my, go to myhealthymatters.org and, Google, and just put in the search apple cider vinegar and look what I wrote about that. You might want to look at the one I wrote about my trip to the Middle East. You might want to um, just type that in there. You might want to do the one where, um, let's see, I talked about uh, falls. I've done one about heart disease. I've done one about all kinds of different things. So you, so check it out. I, should you take an aspirin? What are the causes of stroke? All those are on myhealthymatters.org. And most importantly of all, what more and more and more people are doing are podcasts of this show. So it is a great way to listen to previous shows. You can listen to the one from today or last week or the week before or months ago. You can access them from myhealthymatters.org. They will, there will be a link to the, the radio station here at WCCO, and you can listen to a podcast, myhealthymatters.org. Next bit of business is that it's the great Minnesota get-together coming up. Kind of hard to believe, isn't it? Oh, good grief. It's the fair again. (laughs) Denny and I like to spend Sunday mornings at the fair at the WCCO booth under the shadow of the giant slide and next to the ye old mill. And um, you want to be there. So Sunday mornings, both Sundays at the fair, let's get a big crowd. We often have a pretty big crowd. Oh, yeah, absolutely. On Sunday mornings, the people who are there are people at the WCCO booth. You won't be alone. You're thinking... 
Well, why would I go to the fair at 7.30 on a Sunday morning? Well, I'll tell you why. There's going to be a lot of people, and we have fun. We have coffee. I'd love to shake and actually, it's a comfortable time of day to be there. It's a great time to be at the fair. The, you, know, it has, you know, it isn't so hot yet, and yeah. the streets are really clean, and there isn't that kind of aroma of 100,000 people there yet. You know, it's a great time to be there. Come meet me at either of the Sundays at the fair at 7.30. And then lastly, next week, I'm excited that Dr. Jane Hess is going to join me on the show. It's going to be an open line show, but Jane is the medical director, a doctor at our North Loop Clinic. So she's just going to help me out with an open line show. And I want to introduce you to Jane Hess. So listen Mm -hmm. next week. And that's what we have going on today is an open line show, not any particular topic. 651-989-9226. Or again, send a text if you like, uh, 81807, 81807. I'll take a couple of the texts since there's so many of them. Uh, Here's one that says, could I talk about ITP, um, where platelets are reduced? ITP stands for idiopathic thrombocytopenic purpura. And if you're really cool, you'll slip that into a sentence at a party. (laughs) (laughs) Idiopathic thrombocytopenic purpura. Somebody... uh, Text me uh, on the MyHealthyMatters.org blog site if you were able to get that into a conversation today. Um, ITP, idiopathic, we don't know what causes it. That's what idiopathic means. Thrombocytopenic, you have low platelets. Purpura is the condition where you can bleed um, in your skin. So ITP is a... um, there's a childhood version and there's an adult version. I don't treat kids, but the childhood version usually follows like a viral illness, the flu or the mumps. Your platelets get low, your skin gets purple, and it gets better. Often on, by its, on its own, it just gets better and you never hear from it again. No worries. In adults, ITP is usually an autoimmune process. In other words, your own immune system is getting confused and it's overly zealously attacking your own platelets. And, and so they get destroyed. That is often a chronic illness in adults. It can happen over and over and over again. It's treated with steroids um, um, for the first few times, but because we don't like to give steroids forever, uh, it's often treated with other immune medications. So that's, there's two versions of ITP. Um, one more here. Somebody says kinesio taping works great for plantar fasciitis. That's probably right. Taping your feet might work. Um, I talked about that earlier. Um, mostly I recommend getting really good shoes. Before we go to the phones, I want to introduce a guest I have here in the studio. Um, uh, one more bit of housekeeping. Um, so I have Alana Christian in the studio with me today. Alana is uh, a nursing student from uh, Missouri, and um, she didn't think she was going to have to be on the air. But before I go to the phone lines, I just wanted to say welcome here. And Alana, um, how's nursing school going? Nursing school is great. What school do you go to? I go to the, to the University of Missouri, Kansas City. And so what are you doing in Minnesota? I am here by a program called the Blueford Healthcare Leadership Program, and I'm here at HCMC doing it, doing a healthcare administration internship. That's awesome. How much more nursing school do you have? I have two more years. Do you like it? I it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> She's also diplomatic. <laughs> that was great. It's interesting. Well, it's great to have you in. Um, uh, we have sometimes um, interns in on the show, and um, uh, Alana didn't know she was going to have to be on the radio, but I told her, oh, I'm going to introduce you as long as you're in here. So what we have here is going to be a future fabulous nursing leader and healthcare administration leader. And um, one of the things I, in my, the reason I wanted to bring her up is that we have such a great need in our healthcare system. 
We have a complicated healthcare system, and to have people who are trained in the medical part, like like Alana is, who are going into nursing leadership and into and into healthcare leadership in general, she's going to be the future of our healthcare um, administration. So I just wanted to give you a shout out and to give a shout out for young people who are going into healthcare leadership. And uh, one day we'll all be working for you, Alana. Great to have you on the show. Excellent. 651-989-9226. I see a line open if you want to use it. Or send a text, and we'll get to those again, too, at 81807. Uh, Dick is calling from Cottage Grove. Dick, you're on with the doctor. Hi. Uh, just have to tell you, my wife and I like your radio side manner. <laughs> Thanks, Dick. Is that sort of like bedside manner? And Denny and I are old buddies. I play the harmonica for a living. <laughs> oh, yeah. and a good. I wish I did. you got to well, teach me, Dick. Half the world plays it, the other half wishes it could. (laughs) (laughs) On that second half, that's Uh, right. I would like you to just give me a thumbnail sketch of what happens with abdominal hernias. Right. There's several kinds. There's the one that kind of comes out of the middle. Is that the kind you mean, like in your belly? The inguinal? Oh, inguinal, yeah. So a hernia is simply any organ that's bulging through to where it shouldn't ought to be. So you can have a, a hiatal hernia where your stomach is pushing up into your chest. You can have an abdominal ventral hernia. Ventral simply means the front where like your intestines are sticking out through a defect in your abdominal wall like around your belly button. And then you can have the most common of all, which are in, inguinal hernias. So your inguinal area for in, in terms that maybe more people would understand is your groin in, on either side. Men and women can both get it, although we kind of think about it in men. There is an area where your abdominal wall kind of comes together with the ligaments around your groin, and there's a little weakness there. And so over time, over years, sometimes that bulges, and you can have your literally your intestines can kind of bulge through this defect that has kind of thinned out over as you get older. They're, they're not dangerous in and of themselves, Dick. You, they're fine. If you just have a little bulge and you can push it back in, it's all good. However, if your intestines got stuck in there, they can get pinched, and that's bad. Also, not a lot of us want to have a big bulge you know, sticking out there, so you know, that's not a good idea. So it's easy to fix. A surgeon can do it in just a few minutes. It's a same-day surgery kind of thing. There's two ways to fix them. One, they can open it up, put a little incision, and they put a little mesh in there. It looks like window screen. I hope they don't go down to like your local hardware store and buy window screen and put it in there. I bet you it's some sterilized, high-grade titanium, neoprene, nylon stuff that costs a lot more. But anyway, they just literally repair the defect in your abdominal wall with this mesh, and then you're good to go. Other times they can do it with just sewing it up. So that's kind of the overview of hernias. Um, And if you have one, a little bulge down there um, in the inguinal area, the groin area, you go see a general surgeon. Okay. Thanks for listening, Dick. And I, if you're, I'd love to hear you play harmonica someday. Oh yeah, you can <laughs> a couple of different ways. Dick, good to hear from you. Thanks very much. We're up against the clock. Quick break is necessary. They're telling me now. Partly cloudy skies. CCO temperature reading seventy two degrees. More shows straight ahead here on Healthy Matters. Stay with us. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. This is an open line show today. Your phone calls and text messages driving the show. Uh, 651-989-9226. One line is open or text us at 81807. Before we get to some more text messages, doctor, let's go back to the phones. Uh, Rita is calling from a White Bear. Rita, you're on with the doctor. Hi. Um, I have just have a quick question with, about 
the testing for prostate cancer. Um, is it kind of like a, uh, a PSA of over 4.5? Is that, uh, I guess, is it high enough that it's, it's a likelihood a biopsy would show cancer? Right. It's a good question, Rita. Thanks for calling in. Um, PSA or prostate-specific antigen for for prostate cancer screening is kind of controversial, and you've kind of highlighted the reason why. There's no such thing as what's right or wrong, what's normal or abnormal. It's a continuous thing. And so we have rather arbitrarily selected the number four. Four-ish is sort of above that. It's probably abnormal. Below that, it's abnormal. But you can have PSA a 10 and not have cancer. There's a lot of reasons your PSA can be elevated, and there's not just cancer. And so it is true that if you have a PSA of 200, that's very likely to be cancer. Um, but if, we, if it's 4.5, it's most likely to not be cancer, but we don't know. And so it's, it's all a decision um, on, on your part, or not yours personally, because um, uh, you don't have a prostate, but whoever this is, um, um, uh whether or not to get a biopsy. Ed, I can't give you specific guidelines because that wouldn't be appropriate because it's so much on the edge. It's barely elevated at 4.5. So many doctors would probably just repeat it in a few months and just monitor it. But it depends on the, the man who has the PSA that's a little elevated. How worried is he? How strong is your family history? Are you having lots of symptoms? Are you younger? If, it, if the man is younger, we're sometimes more likely to do biopsies. Because if you're 90 years old, don't worry about your prostate. That's, the, that's what I'd say. You, know, you worry about other things. You know, it, but if you're a younger man, that it, it might make a bigger difference. So it's hard to say. There is no right or wrong or no correct answer to that. Um, so most people would simply get a follow-up PSA for that, but some would get a biopsy. So I would have a really good, honest conversation. More likely than not, a, a PSA that's barely elevated might not be cancer, but it could be early cancer. So that's why it's so difficult. Thanks for the call. I wish I had a nice, easy answer. Uh, Mary in Long Lake is uh, next on CCO. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. How can we Hi, help Mary. You? Hi. Um, I've got a real mild case of diabetes and um, but my feet are like dead and the doctors have given me even a neurologist gabapentin um, 3600 milligrams a day and 50 milligrams of Cymbalta and it doesn't help at all. Yeah, um, so I don't know what your what your neuropathy is from. Although diabetes is is probably the most common cause. Usually, you get a numbness or a, a discomfort in your feet, starting with the feet, then the legs in diabetes. After you've had diabetes for a long time, if you have very mild diabetes or it's new, it, your your neuropathy might be due to something else. But the long and short of it is that it's a difficult thing to treat. That's about as big a dose of gabapentin as I would suggest. And you're on two medicines for the pain. It might not make it better. Um, neuropathy is a difficult thing to treat with medication. So make sure your, your, your diabetes is under control. Those medications are reasonable. I would maybe see some other kind of practitioners. Make sure you're wearing really, really good shoes. I can't emphasize enough the need to have a good fitting shoes in your case. If you have neuropathy and diabetes, you are at the highest risk for foot problems of anybody. Make sure you wear very good shoes that fit you well. Have them fitted by a professional. 
And then um, you might try acupuncture. You might try chiropractic. I, you, I would encourage you to continue try walking. Be as active as you can. And then, importantly, Mary, see a neurologist. See a specialist in nerves and see if they don't have some other options for you. All right. There's a text that came in a couple of minutes ago. My blood pressure is 140 over 61. What does that mean? It means you're right on the edge. You have borderline high blood pressure. 140 over 90 is what we like to see it below for most people. So if your blood pressure is 140 over 61, I would continue to monitor it every now and then. Get it a few times a week at different places. Go to the grocery store. Get a cuff at the drugstore and do it at home. Get it at your doctor's office. If it's routinely greater than 140, you need a medication to treat that. Do we have time for another text here? Yeah, or why do, not? Do we, we probably are kind of running against the we clock. Are. Let me see what else I can do here. Relatively quickly. I'll tell you what, let's Do we have time for yeah, a phone call. Let's, let's take Lisa in uh, St. Paul. Lisa, what is your question, please? Yes, um, my husband has um, a herniation at C6 and 7, and he's been treated by a chiropractor for the past two and a half weeks. He ha- has um, kind of pain coming from the shoulder blade area, and it runs down his left arm. It makes his arm numb, and the fingers kind of tingle. Or like a shock, shocking type thing. Right, that's all kind of neuro, neuropathic symptoms. Yep, and so I'm wondering, um, you know, after being treated with um, uh, traction for, um, you know, two and a half weeks, doesn't seem to be getting better, and that kind of causes more pain when he goes through that. What might be a suggested? Um, right, I think I, I, I'm not so sure that traction is going to help. Um, I think maybe just time. If he's got a mild herniation of his disc, it'll likely get better. It might not, though, but it might. Um, I think gentle stretching, gentle exercises. I would recommend a physical therapist. I don't think the traction um, is probably going to work at this point. I'm not an expert in that, but I'm a little skeptical of that. I might try a physical therapist and some stretching, some range of motion exercises that are safe and see if that doesn't get better. His symptoms are very clearly due to herniation. That makes perfect sense. The nerve is getting pinched. So see if, I would see a physical therapist next. I do not recommend surgery, um, but maybe someday down the road, but I wouldn't recommend that. That would be my next step. Maybe some anti-inflammatories would help, and then give it a few weeks, and if it's not better in a few weeks, then maybe it's time to see a back specialist. But okay. um, I think the traction maybe is is not going to work at this point. We have about a half a minute to go. Just a reminder, what's uh, and who is going to be on the Doc- show next week? Dr. Jane Hess, my colleague from uh, our North Loop Clinic in the North Loop neighborhood of Minneapolis. By the way, if you need a doctor... You give us a call, but if you live in the in the North Loop area, see Dr. Hess. That number is 612-873-6963. And just say I want to see Dr. Hess at the North Loop Clinic. She's going to be on with an open line show with me next week here in the studio. Extra help. Extra help. And don't forget the State Fair shows. Come out and see me live. I want to shake your hand at the State Fair shows either Sunday morning at myhealthymatters.org. Do that today. See you back here next week for more Healthy Matters. 72 degrees now.